your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture With Stick Around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast that will be shown in the wrong aspect ratio at Cannes Brought to you by Facehuggers the lovable, snuggly, soft toy that hugs your face back. <laughs> and impregnates you with an alien. <laughs> yeah, That's you get a spoiler little, alert. Yeah, it's a little... <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, you get a little uh, soft toy alien that comes out of its mouth um, and into the mouth of the child, which is... Realistic. Yeah, controversial in some circles, but um, a bestseller in Indonesia. Don't know why. <laughs> An entirely common practice in Mormon communities in Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, hello there, listeners, and welcome to Films, episode 23. Uh, I'm your host today, David Peeling, and I'm joined today by Clive Fisher. Professional bastard. (laughs) What? (laughs) You just got the episode episode number without umming and ahhing. Oh, yes. All right. (laughs) You nailed it. Uh, hello, Alex Wayne. Hello. And Michael Johnson. What up? So, uh... <laughs> who's got a dog? <laughs> oh, that's it's it's not my dog, but it's uh, it's downstairs. His dog's so having an upstairs flat, and it comes oh, up right. to the door. It's called Snowy. It's a big um, white um, German Shepherd, and it just barks at the door, looking for attention. Um, <laughs> it, it'll you get go white German Shepherds. You do, you do. He's lovely. It just um, sort of um, it tied in nicely with Michael's intro. What up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. I liked it. Guest appearance. Snowy yes. obviously appre- Snowy obviously appreciates a solid guest. Yeah, the one problem with Snowy, he's lovely, but if you wear black jeans around him, uh, you're going to need a lint roller. Put it that way. Obviously <laughs> disagrees with you there. <laughs> <laughs> this could be interesting. right so um guys uh here we are with the first uh of our new hour-long films episodes have we been watching many films this month i've purposefully not watched anything because i'm trying to keep it to an hour (laughs) (laughs) i've never (laughs) now i've seen i've seen think the two i'm going to be talking about so not loads but a few yeah things I, i think i've only seen two new films since the last pod um, or brand new ones anyway uh, but we are t- I'll be talking about both of them How about you Michael? Um, I've seen one oldie that I'm going to talk about and one newie, that's about it Yeah <laughs> Okay, well yeah, I've, I've not seen a fat lot either since uh, this is our last show but uh, uh, following on in Clive's footsteps there because I'm dedicated to the craft um, <laughs> but how about we go uh, straight up to the Steel City then and uh, see what Clive's been watching Okay, cool Um Cheers, Dave. So, uh, we're going to save our big release to last. Uh, we'll be speaking about Guardians 2 as a, as a collective, I believe. Oh, spoiler! Uh, but I'm going to start oh, with... Jesus. Well, You've got to keep them hanging around for something. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to be hanging around for this shit. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about... I'm going to start with Mindhorn, a film that came out this year. I've done very minimal research, but have written down a lot of notes. Uh, it stars Julian Barrett... Uh, of the Mighty Boosh, I stupidly thought it was the guy off um, Flight of the Concords. 
Yeah, what's his, <laughs> what's his face? Um, Jermaine. And I was like, kept going around going, oh, have you seen that new film with a guy from Flight of the Concords? And everyone was like, what are you on about? I was like, have you not seen it? It's posters everywhere. He's like, he's not from Flight of the Concords. Well, I, I mean... Like, oh, no, he's not. You're right. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I, I can see Thanks. what you mean. I mean, they're both white males in probably in their early 40s from cult co- comedy series. I mean, they all look the same to me too. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so it's directed by Sean Foley, stars Essie Davis, Andrea Riseborough, Harriet Walter, and obviously uh, the guy I've mentioned, Julian Barrett. It's uh, Mindhorn is an actor in an... Well, no, sorry. Mindhorn is a character. Uh, Julian Barrett plays the actor that plays Mindhorn in this, this fictional TV series, um Mindhorn, where he's played, he plays like a detective who has a ridiculous eye patch, which can apparently see the truth. Uh, <laughs> the plot is essentially it's pretty nonsensical, but brilliantly so. There's a killer on the loose on the Isle of Man, which is where the where Mindhorn is filmed and where the Julian Barrett's character is from. Um, the killer is refusing to speak. He thinks Mindhorn is real and refuses to speak to anyone except Mindhorn. Which, uh, while this is happening. Mindhorn is gone off to, I'm not sure where he is, he's tried to make a career in Hollywood, I think, and failed miserably and ended up doing adverts for orthopaedic socks and uh, various other things. <laughs> uh, when, when he gets the call, that they, they want him to go back to the Isle of Man to play Mindhorn again so that he can speak to this serial killer. It's, so the, the premise, that premise, I thought, that sounds pretty interesting. I like it. Um, I like Julian Barrett, I'm a big fan of The Mighty Boosh. I like that kind of humour, so I was kind of excited to see this. It... I think it starts really, really well. Like it, the sort of him living this kind of like gone, like he wasn't ever massive. This show wasn't huge, I don't think, or that's the impression it gives. It was pretty well known in the Isle of Man. I'm not sure how well it did otherwise, but he's got that kind of he's got that kind of feel about him of like someone who thinks he's done big things <laughs> that probably aren't that big, uh, and that, now he's struggling to kind of get anything. And he's just annoyed at everyone for, you know, he even gets kicked off the orthopedic sock advert by someone else. So he's, you know, he's having a pretty rough time. And the way it kind of portrays that at the start is really funny. And there's loads of good humour. There's actually quite a lot um, at the start similarities to Anchorman, particularly like in his warm up methods. <laughs> and there's a couple of uh, things he says which are just hilarious along the lines of the whiskey scotch stuff that um, Will Ferrell does in Anchorman. <laughs> It's much better during the sort of low-key bits at the start. Like I've said, it kind of, after the things get a bit more filmy, so to speak, when it becomes a bit more... It feels like it has to have this sort of big set piece, then things fall apart a little bit, I thought. There was... It just... The comedy became a bit more slapstick, and I didn't think it worked anywhere near as well. And even though, obviously, it's meant to be ludicrous, it wasn't so ludicrous it was funny, or at least I didn't think so in, like after the sort of half hour mark and it there was still definitely some laughs in there but I thought some other stuff was a bit cliche like there's a hilariously there's a Dutch guy called Clive um, who <laughs> <laughs> has a you know Dutch accent and that seems and wears really short shorts and that seems to be kind of the funny thing about him which I didn't find Smoke all that amusing <laughs> maybe because he was called Clive and I was you know I was trying to side with him but <laughs> no, actually, it was a cock. But I was, I was talking about this today earlier. It was actually quite weird having, because um, I know basically no one called Clive, and I've never really heard the name said other than to me. It was I kept thinking someone was talking at me, 
And I just it just made me think that if you have a more common name, that must not happen. But I was just sat there like every time I said Clive, it kept making me really alert. <laughs> strange thing to strange thing to be happening throughout a film. But um, so yeah, I wasn't really a fan of that character, and I think a lot of the other characters aren't particularly brilliant. They're all a little bit sometimes cliche, sometimes just a bit not that funny whereas i think julian barrett is the is at times hilarious definitely but i don't think any of the other characters are particularly funny which lets it down uh, in the second half because the other characters come into it way more whereas at the start it is quite heavily focused on him steve coogan's in it as well and he's all right he's probably the second best and he's pretty funny at times but still nowhere near as funny as the main sort of julian barrett moments um I, there was also a, there's a character in it with a learning disability and i thought the the laughs were kind of played at him and I didn't feel like entirely comfortable about it because just like, I don't know, it's just, I thought we'd gone past the laughing at learning disabilities thing. Uh, it didn't, I didn't think, I'm not against having a learning disabilities character in a comedy, of course, but I think it could have been done way more interestingly and I just thought it was a bit like, we need to have someone in this who's stupid so we're going to make him have learning disabilities. Was and it, I, I'm, I've, sorry to butt in, but I've always thought that when you get a comedy with a character like that in, you've got to make sure the pun- the humor's punching up, not at that character. Would you would you say the the film was punching downward? Well, yeah, I, I felt that you were laughing at him, which I think is what you're getting at, right? So mm. it just he was doing kind of silly things, and it was like, oh, he's so stupid. And I was like, I don't think that's that funny. <laughs> if you're saying he's got a, I think if he hadn't said he had a learning disability, I'd have been fine with it. He's just like, well, he's just being a bit stupid, but. Bringing that into the fray made it made me think they had a bit of a bigger responsibility about how they were going to handle that character, and I don't think they handled it that well. And I thought at times it was a little bit offensive. Certainly, I think if I was someone with learning disabilities and went to see it, I would probably be offended. Um, so I wasn't too happy about that, but it doesn't take away from it too much. Um, I guess it depends how. Like I've I've not I tried to find a review earlier that brought up the same point, and no one else has. So maybe I'm on my own. But <laughs> it was. Although I've found that my, having already written these notes, that my point of it falling apart a little bit in the second half is quite a common one. I'd still say it's worth the watch. Like, it's definitely enjoyable throughout. It's good fun. Um, it's, if you like the Mighty Boosh type humour or a, like, British, a standard British comedy film with the kind of dry humour, It's it has loads of really good parts of that, but it is all mainly packed into the first half of the film. When it gets more slapstick in the second half, it's not quite as funny anymore, so... Don't expect it to be as fantastic as I thought it was going to be going into it. So I was, I was disappointed, but it did have some funny. Um, it's particularly funny about how it like uh, parodies sort of seventies cop shows <laughs> with with Mindhorn uh, when it shows you clips of uh, this this show that he was in and the fact he's got the fact he's just this really ridiculous character is pretty hilarious at times. It does it does do a lot of good things, definitely. But I just thought it fell apart in the second half and the, none of the other characters were particularly interesting. And this one, like I say, the one with the learning disabilities was just... I thought it was a bit offensive and I didn't really like that. I thought it could have been done better. So, yeah, that's my opinion on Mindhorn. As I assume no one else has seen this yet. No, um, I, I, I was actually tempted to go and see it. The trailer made it look reasonably good i think it got uh, fairly decent reviews um i wasn't desperate hmm. to but um y- you've put me off there and um i'll take you all i will trust your judgment on it i would still like it's a six you know it's not <laughs> six a very high push of seven i don't yes i'm more inclined to give it a six but 
Yeah, so it's, it's all right because because the first half hour was really like some of the funniest comedy I've seen for a while. But so I think it is worth watching probably for that alone. But then it does fall apart to an extent where it drops it down quite a lot. <laughs> for me, the um, I, th- I thought the trailer actually it, it made me suspect that this would be the case. So I was hoping that you would prove that wrong, Clive. But it sounds like exactly what. What I thought it looked like from the trailer, like quite disappointing. Okay, I've not, I've not seen the trailer, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to judge on a trailer because the trailer for the Alan Partridge film Alpha Papa was quite poor as well, but that was a brilliant film. Right. Um, but okay. Yeah, just something doesn't feel quite right about it, which is a, is a shame because I do love Julian Barrett, and I don't think there'll be a film with a better name this year either. <laughs> no, I think the concept could uh, could have really worked, and I think it's quite interesting. I just think they took it down the very cliche. Oh, let's have a bit of a showdown in the second half of the film, Brute, and yeah. you know, a bit more action and stuff. And I think it would have fared better if it had gone for a more, much lower-key vibe, which fits, I think, better with the British humour in general. Mm. I think it would have been much better for that, but they didn't. They went. It isn't like overblown, crazy action scenes constantly or anything, but it's just, it definitely goes a little bit down that road in the second half, and it's not as funny anymore for me. <laughs> but opinions may vary. I wonder if this film is um, any better for people of an older generation. Um, the impression I've got from it is it's you know a kind of a pastiche on a type of cop show that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I could totally see that. That it might be more if you like. I haven't really watched those types of cop shows. I still found the references to, like I say, the kind of when it shows you clips of Mindhorn, it is still funny. <laughs> Yeah. Even though I haven't watched that many shows like that, but maybe the whole maybe the whole thing is kind of a pastiche on it, as well, which I wouldn't really have noticed just because I haven't seen enough of that. So maybe characters like the Dutch Clive guy are playing on some of the sort of stereotypes in that genre, and possibly even the learning disabilities character. I don't know, but yeah, so possibly a meta joke that didn't register with you, but. Um... Yeah, quite not, possibly. Not the impression you got from it, anyway. Um, yeah, did uh, did you go with Cable? I thought you said. Um, I did go with Cable. Yeah. What did he think of it? Um, he, I, we didn't really have an in depth, particularly in depth discussion after it because it was pretty late. <laughs> we were both pretty tired, so I don't actually know exactly what he thought of it. He, I remember him saying, "Well, I think when we left, he said, well, that was insane.'" <laughs> so I don't know, <laughs> but he was he was definitely laughing just as much as me in the first half hour. And I think we were kind of laughing at the same bits and the laughing did kind of stop around after that point. So mm. I imagine his opinion is similar, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, I, I was um, slightly uh, disappointed by... Well, disappointed by the review in the sense that I was hoping for a bit more along the lines of Michael there, particularly because I'd recently heard an episode of the Adam Buxton podcast... Uh, I don't know if any of you guys listened to it, one with um, Julian Barrett, who is the writer, creator and the star of of Mindhorn. And um, he talks a lot about the kind of creative process of making a film like this. And it's the first time that he's done it. And it was quite an interesting interview um, mm. for that Um particularly because they're obviously quite good friends, Adam Buxton and him as well. And um, also there in the conversation is Garth Jennings, who is the director of Sing and many other, a few other things as well. It's quite an interesting uh, episode of the podcast. So if you're half interested in the film, I definitely recommend checking out that um, that podcast, Adam Buxton, oh, cool. with Garth, uh, with um, Julian Barrett. Anyway, um, thank you very much for that, Clive. Interesting to uh, 
to hear about Mindhorn there. So let's move now to Alex Wayne. What have you got for us today? Okay, well, I've got um, probably the other big release that we haven't mentioned, uh, Alien <coughs> Covenant. Uh, if you don't know, it's the sequel to 2012 film Prometheus. Uh, I believe the fifth, uh, sixth, sorry, film in the Alien saga. Uh, directed by Ridley Scott, who incidentally is from South Shields, where I'm coming from, but grew up in Stockton. Uh, nice little link between my two places there. Um, starring Michael Fassbender, Catherine Waterston, Billy Crudup, or Crudup, I don't know how you say that, Danny McBride... Uh, among others Um, it tells the story of a group of colonists who are setting out to colonise a new planet after an accident they stumble upon another planet they weren't planning to go to uh, which houses David uh, the android from Prometheus who uh, seemingly lives alone obviously things go tits up very quickly (laughs) Uh, and uh, some aliens get involved uh, I'm not going to say any more. I mean, you could have you could have guessed that plot just from seeing. Well, you could have guessed that plot having not seen anything about this film. I mean, that's literally the strap line that could be on any one of the posters, couldn't it? Is that yeah, things go yeah. tits up and there are yeah. aliens. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird one. This. Um, I quite liked it. I would say it's an improvement upon Prometheus. Certainly, I thought um, narratively it made a lot more sense and. He didn't fuck about uh, with the audience. You know, a lot of people were disappointed uh, from Prometheus that it didn't really have any aliens in it. This one certainly does, and it has the xenomorph in it, the classic alien. That's a spoiler, but only a minor one. It's. It feels like if you were looking at this film, if it was an album, say, by, I don't know, say Metallica were bringing out a new album now, but it was just a greatest hits album, yet you'd enjoy it. It's got some classics in it. But there's nothing particularly original about it. It feels like, it feels like actually more than a greatest hits album. It feels like a big tour, like a Rolling Stones tour nowadays, just playing the hits. You know, people are happy, but they're not getting anything necessarily new or innovative. I would say Ridley Scott directs this with you know typical, typical sort of competence. I would say rather than flair. Michael Fassbender is very good in this. He plays two roles actually. Uh, one of the android David, who we've mentioned, and one called Walter. And Catherine Waterson is very good as well, doing her best uh, Ripley impression. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't even say I was disappointed by this, because my while I didn't mind Prometheus, I didn't have a huge amount of enthusiasm going into this. So, it was fun, but very unchallenging and perhaps unambitious. I know Michael went with me. Uh, Michael, what were your thoughts? Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty solid 7 out of 10, more or less, for me. Uh, I'm not going to pretend it was anything more than that, but I didn't expect it to be, really, either. Um, At first, during the first stages of the film, I was concerned that it would be another Prometheus where nothing happens, really. I mean, not literally, but quite dull on the whole. But this was actually a big improvement storyline-wise as it developed, I thought. Um, I thought Fassbender was brilliant and that Ridley Scott's really fortunate to have him on board in this franchise at the moment. I think he's really carrying it up to a great extent. Um, and the character of David is um, really, really develops into a fascinating one in this uh, particular film and is basically the character around which all of the the key themes of the, of, of the films as, as they're progressing are uh, explored. 
and uh, I think that was the most interesting thing about it for me. You know, mm. it wasn't wasn't about the thrills or the supposed scares or anything like that. The I mean, the most thrilling and scary aspects of it were probably the more philosophical, scientific themes that were being developed. Um, so I wouldn't say that it was um, had a lot of heavy substance to it, but that was what I enjoyed the most about it, and I thought it was mm. structured in a pretty satisfying way as well. Um, but I would say Fassbender is the main appeal of it for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the, one of the problems, as I said, uh, it sounds like I'm being down on this. I, I largely agree with you. I think it's probably a 7 out of 10 film. Um, but one of the problems I have in it is that often David, Fassbender's, one of Fassbender's characters, is a bigger threat than the alien, mm-hmm. or so it appears anyway. I would have liked to have had maybe a... I, don't, I mean, the alien's done well in this film, naturally, but maybe, I think possibly it's sold short a little bit on its threat. As I said, I'm not really disappointed... Um, it you know it's it's solid, it's good. If you like an if you like alien films, or if you like you know at least the first two, you probably will get a lot from this. And certainly, I'd go and see another one in the series. Um, but mm, it's not it's not you know this is no evolution or revolution. It's just a continuation. Yeah, I mean that's that's true. Yeah, but I would definitely go and see the follow up film when it comes out, whenever that is. Yeah, and like I think. Part of the reason for what you're saying there about comparing David and the aliens is that once you start getting this heavily into CGI, you're never going to be able to replicate like the original alien. It's too unique, and the the way that the sort of the film's mm. created now, I think saps a certain something from it, which is part mm. of the reason these films are never going to reach that sort of height. But um, yeah, that's just how how I would assess it. Yeah, I mean, I would also say that perhaps it's not really beneficial to this kind of film to know as much as we do now about the kind of the backstory. I think sometimes knowing a backstory is fascinating, but sometimes I think the threat of the alien, the fact that it's just this creature, like say we see it in the first film, mm. we don't know much about it. I think, I think that makes it a lot scarier. Not that it's a direct comparison, but when I think about Firefly and Serenity... Um, I, I don't think you've seen them, Michael, but I know Clive no. has. Um, there's a character, creatures in them called Reavers, who are described horrifically as these um, savages who skin alive and rape the victims, and they, they're, they're described with such fear. But when you eventually f- see them in the film, um, well, I wouldn't say they were disappointing. They can't live up to the imagination. So I think the alien is a more frightening creature when you see less of it. Obviously, you have to see some of it at some time. And Isn't it the same in any horror film, though? Like, I think we've discussed quite a lot in, in the past. Yeah. It's just, look, you look at something like, obviously, a film that I discussed on the podcast, The Blair Witch Project, where you never see anything, and that's what makes it so terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, the art styling, you know, the Geiger art styling is, is incredible yeah. still. But, um, but, as I said, I think the less we see of it, especially in fluid motion, the better. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think this is this is a solid entry, and I did enjoy myself, and I'd even maybe watch it again. Um, and I thought actually the um, the neomorph, which is a different type of alien, which is in the film, was while similar, was a welcome addition really. And, and I thought for the most part the the performances were extremely solid, uh, particularly Fassbender. But yeah, no, it sounds like I'm saying I'm disappointed. I'm not, but it's. Yeah, I would have liked more still. It's among very good, yeah, very good company, isn't it? I mean, Alien and Aliens are two of yeah. my favourite films. But <laughs> I think Aliens, the thing it did is 
it didn't do it was very different to the first film wasn't it it went for the whole it showed loads of aliens but it was because it wasn't really going for the horror vibe it was going more for the action 80s action which it did really really well but um if we're trying to go back to doing the horror thing it's always going to be very difficult because i i agree with michael i think the way film is now is very different to it how it was then and i think it's very difficult to recapture that atmosphere of how it was done back then without its i don't know yeah just well a there's no point because it's already been done but (laughs) b it's just difficult to you have to do something a little bit different with it and and I agree with you, Al, as well, that the longer it's been around, the less mysterious this creature is and the more that's always going to take some, a bit of something away from it. Right. So I guess it's difficult about think, to think what direction to take it in, isn't it? I think you make a really interesting point there, Clive, actually. I think uh, when, you, when you talk about the differences between Alien and Aliens, I think they decided when they were making Aliens, there's no point trying to do that again. It just won't, you yeah. know, it'll just be a rehash. So they, they took mm-hmm. it from a thriller-horror and turned it into kind of an action horror. Yeah. Uh, or maybe even not horror at all, an action thriller. Uh, maybe it would have been better if they tried to do something different again with this. Uh, I can't think what they would have done. Well, but, that's um, the problem, isn't it? Neither yeah. Neither would they have been able to. That's that's why they haven't been able to. Yeah. Hmm. Dave, have you seen this? Or were you planning to? No, I wasn't planning on it. Um, I've not seen any of the Alien films. What? Get out of here. Really? <laughs> no, I've not. No. I mean, yeah. Ah. I could have sworn I'd watch one with you. Uh, well, yeah. I must have been asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Impressive. The first one is one of my top five films. And I'm a big fan of Aliens too. I, I don't hold it in quite the same regard, but I absolutely love the first one. I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah. No, it's, it's brilliant. Um, I actually, the first time I saw it was in the cinema as well. It was on a re-release. Um, oh, wow. So it, it does hold. It's it's very. Same. You know, I got that full experience in Darlington. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you were there, of <laughs> yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> wow. Gel. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see this definitely. Oh, it's worth seeing. Certainly, if you're a fan of, as long as you go in with your expectations not raised too high, you will yeah. probably enjoy it. Cool. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Al. Next up then, Michael, what have you got for us? Yeah, I've got um, a so-called classic film that I've seen, um, The Conversation, a 1974 Palme d'Or winner, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. One of his uh, one of the films considered one of his most um, classic, although probably not one you hear being talked about as much as the first two Godfather films in Apocalypse Now, for example. It uh, stars Gene Hackman in what is usually regarded as a career role for him from the reading around it that I've done. Um, he plays a sort of leader in the field of audio surveillance who is hired to uh, listen into conversation of a young couple um, and a lot of shady goings-on sprout from that. Um, he faces a lot of moral considerations about uh, the job that he does and the potential outcomes of it. Uh, I think when, when the film was released, uh, it coincided with Watergate and so was generally um, interpreted as being a comment on that, but was actually written beforehand, um, so it was quite prescient in that sense. And I can't imagine a film from obviously 43 years ago now being as relevant um, in contemporary terms um, now that we live in a world after Edward Snowden and the NSA, all these sort of things, um, ties directly into that. 
So I really felt like uh, while watching this, it had a lot of uh, relevance to the modern world, which I think was uh, quite cool for what is now quite an old film. Uh, it's straight from the, the new Hollywood period, uh, so it's very much in that style. Uh, it is, I would say it is. it does have a certain mood to it, but I was somewhat underwhelmed by it. I thought it was... It was certainly interesting in the questions it was raising. The acting is very, very solid, very good. Also stars John Cazale, who is uh, at the centre of one of my favourite Hollywood facts, which is that I think he's the only actor to have had all of the films he appeared in be nominated for the Oscar for Best Picture, six in total, of which this is one. So I thought it certainly had its attributes, the film, but I did think it was um, the pacing of it was quite slow. There's um, a very long scene in the centre of the film that seems to be there for character development purposes, but I thought it just drags on uh, quite a while. So, as the film was developing, I wasn't really sure where it was going, but I have to say, the ending really um, salvages it for me. This is, I think, even though it's quite low-key, this is one of the most uh, memorable, memorable endings I can remember seeing, certainly recently, if not ever. Um, the, fi the film sort of... It, it, it features um, a, a twist that gives off the message that, obviously, in this area of spying and surveillance things shouldn't always be taken at face value uh, but then after that it also comes in with um, a secondary ending of sorts if you like that certainly doesn't clobber you it's very subtle it more dawns on you and I'm sure that if a lot of people watch it they won't necessarily uh, appreciate or get the ending straight away but if you do um, it's a sort of light bulb moment I would say and I really thought once that happened to me I thought wow that's that's a really awesome ending um, so I think certainly the the closing image of the film is the one that will stick in my mind whenever I think about this film in future, and it saved what I thought was a very solid but not quite as spectacular film as I was expecting going in. Um, but as I say, I would I would say that um, I mean I haven't seen Gene Hackman in a lot of films, but I would say this was a very good performance. Um, it's a very capable film. Of, out of the ones that I've seen from Francis Ford Coppola, I wouldn't rank it as massive favourite but like I said the ending very memorable and uh, still a good film from the, the new Hollywood period so if, if you're interested in seeing the films that obviously as a former Palme d'Or winner and a, a film that is still talked about by a lot of people then it's definitely worth seeing still Right, uh, I haven't seen this in ages so I don't know how much I can comment on this but um, I remember it being particularly well shot in a certain stylized manner did you feel that yeah i think that's voyeuristic I think, yeah i guess that's what i'm referring to with um yeah voyeuristic would be a good <clears> comment <throat> obviously ties into the themes very well um but certainly well shot in that i guess that's what i was referring to when i kept mentioning new hollywood i mean you, you that's that's what the least you would expect from films of this period uh, in mm. the 70s from big name directors um they all they always feel like they've been made with a lot of care and attention that works very well for the stories they tell so i would certainly say it does that yeah yeah, I mean, I can't really say too much on it, uh, although I have seen it and I do remember enjoying it. Um, you don't really... It's, it's. I think we've talked about this before and it, it feels like we're a lot older than we are when we say it, but they don't make them like this anymore, um, no matter how highly you rate it or don't. Yeah. Uh, there's certain kind of... I don't know, you don't seem to get these main mainstream film, at least. Yeah, well, Maybe on the independent circuit. Yeah, that's... Doing what that, they're doing here. That's the thing, yeah. Films feel... Well, films in this sort of genre... Um, often feel um, a lot glossier and devoid of something, um, and it's just in that period, you know, they were, they were churned out by the week. You know, films that were really strong in in that sense. 
but still had a lot of feeling and had I don't know a certain magic about them. And even though even though as I said this didn't blow me away or anything, you you can sort of appreciate that about it. Has anyone else seen this? Five. I haven't. No, it sounds it sounds interesting, but I've not I've not even heard of it. I've just it reminded me some of the stuff you're talking about. Reminded me of the lives of others, which is an excellent film. Yeah, but, yeah. that's certainly one that comes to mind when you watch it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which is a film I love, but the the lives of others is better, I think. Oh, the li- lives of others. Yeah. Is lives of others is one of films. my favourites. Same. Yeah, it's a spectacular yeah. film. Uh, so yeah, I'd rank it above this, but thematically, yeah, definite tie-ins. Okay. Cool. But yeah, I'd be definitely interested in watching this. It sounds intriguing. Yeah, it's worth a watch. Like I say, if if you appreciate the ending as much as me, then definitely, yeah. I do like a good yeah. ending because it's not that common. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. this one's clever. That's what really it's really well built up, yeah, and then it comes cool. off really well. So that's what I like about it. Yeah, did you notice a very small cameo from Harrison Ford? Yeah, well, I, don't, it's not, I mean, it's not really a cameo, is it? It's clear. Well, you, know, you know it's Harrison Ford, but it's a minor role yeah. for what people would consider for Harrison Ford. Um, yeah, it's, and it's still a good... It's like, I mean, it, it's a good few years after American Graffiti, which was the oldest film I'd seen it seen him in, and now this is a few years later, so, yeah. Well, it's like, it's like when he sneaks into uh, Apocalypse Now for about a minute. <laughs> right, yeah, well, that's, that. yeah, that's more of a cameo, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Gene Hackman, um, like you, I haven't really seen him too much, but um, his standout role for me is, <clears throat> is still as Lex Luthor in the uh, the Superman films. All right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> last of a last of a kind of a dying type of um, supervillain, all campery and uh, narcissism. Uh, in a, in a way, I'd like to see that come back, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, I love the old Superman films. Uh, Dave, Dave, have you? I take it you haven't seen uh, the conversation. No, I've not. No. Um, are you a? I know you weren't big on the Godfather. Are you? Are you a fan of Apocalypse oh, Now? What do you mean? I'm not a fan of the Godfather. Where are you getting this from? <laughs> I believe I, I, well, I don't like the Godfather. You confusing him with Alien. me? What on earth? <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> you you bought me. You bought me as a present an oil painting of a scene from the Godfather. Do you remember that? <laughs> Because, no. of, because, of, because of how much I enjoyed watching it when I watched it with what? you. What? Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is Absolutely. fake news. This must no, be fake news. No, I have. You bought me like a like an eight by twelve inch painting of of um, of the Godfather receiving um, the uh, the Undertaker at the start of the Godfather. What, what did you do with it? Well, I've, I've still got it somewhere. I had it up in my room every every year that we lived together. When we lived together, <laughs> in, it's in halls. It's in a, yeah. It's, it's somewhere in, in somewhere in the house. Well, I'll have just... to dig it out and take a photo of it and post yeah. it to the stick around because this is uh, you're going to have to. It's nice to know how much it meant to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you found it in a charity shop. I remember all this distinctly. Yeah. Uh, one of I us. don't remember this picture, but I do remember I had you down as a fan of it, Dave. So yeah, for sure. Obviously, I've remembered. I'll tell you what. You. One of us is going prematurely senile. <laughs> I hope it's you. No thanks, thanks. <laughs> well, on that bombshell, um, <laughs> let's move to our next movie, and it's uh, it's my turn to do a review, and we're down to the MCU with GOTG two. I've been sat on that fan. <laughs> um, that's <Acronym> right, city baby. <laughs> uh, so I'm talking today about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. It came out in uh, earlier this month, 
and is the sequel to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and this time it follows um, it follows the gang as they uh, kind of try to explore uh, Peter Quill's or Star Lord's family, uh, his family history. This the uh, film directed by uh, James Gunn and stars all the all the same main characters as from the last movie. Yeah, Peter Quill back, Gamora, Drax, Rocket, and and um, the return of Groot as Baby Groot. The um, the film follows much the same kind of style as the first one, with a uh, underpinned by a vintage soundtrack, uh, lots of cartoonish action, and um, never taking itself very seriously, with lots of um, wise cracking. If you've seen the first one, there isn't really too much more to add than that. If you enjoyed the first one, and I know an awful lot of people did, then you'll definitely definitely like this one. Um, it follows much the same footprint as the first, and if, for my money, if it um, if it suffers in any way, it's that it struggled to be more original than the first one was, which isn't necessarily a detriment to this movie, but more a compliment to the first one in the way that it kind of blew the cobwebs off the the Marvel's the, the Marvel um, cinematic universe. I think that everyone here, I think I'm right in saying, has seen it. So um, I uh, invite views from everyone else. Um, yeah. So largely agree with you there. Um, I've just saw, I saw it this morning actually, uh, and this early afternoon. Yeah, largely enjoyed it. Um, now it's interesting you say it blew the original blew the cobwebs off the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I agree. Um, I thought it was. I mean. To an extent, it was derivative of um, you know films like Star Wars, but it certainly had its own fresh take on Marvel. It was funny, it was different. This one is more of the same, and I think in that sense it suffers because it isn't as original, and it isn't as surprising. Um, yeah. And perhaps I would say that the stakes are a little bit too high again. Uh, this is not just a criticism of Guardian of the Galaxy 2, um, but in terms of general Marvel films, I just wish sometimes the story was a little bit more low key. You know, mm. it's not always the complete end of a planet or the end of a galaxy. But isn't <laughs> isn't, um, isn't low key in the Thor movies? Oh, <laughs> well, get, get out, get out. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, like, I'm a little bit sick of this. You know, we must stop this. We need more low key. <laughs> In you know, if we don't do this in ten minutes, the universe will die or whatever. And I, I would rather see a film about the Guardians of the Galaxy doing some shady deals, stealing from people, um, being a little bit more ragtag. Mm. Um, but that that said, I, I did really enjoy this. Um, it it did still have the same sense of humour. It had a cracking soundtrack, um, good performances. I thought Dave Bautista. Stole the show. I thought he was hilarious throughout. Uh, sure. con- consistent, consistently given the best lines. Mm. Uh, Chris Chris Pat just uh, just as charming as ever. And the action scenes always maintained an element of fun, if not you know a sense of threat, which is pretty much true of all Marvel films. To be fair, so yeah, I, I thought this is kind of similar to my view on it on Alien Covenant. It's more of the same, but I'm fairly happy with that. It's um. Yeah, it, it it it's a Big Mac. It's you know you know what you're gonna get. Um, but p- perhaps you know the first one is stronger because of its surprise factor. Um, but yeah, largely I agreed. 
I thought <clears> it was good. So, Clive, I think you've seen this as well, haven't you? I have, yeah. I am. I really enjoyed it as well. I definitely agree with you and Al, who both brought up the point of it was always going to struggle because it couldn't be as sort of surprising as the first because people now know what to expect. I think if this one had come first, people would be saying this is the better one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the other one was the same thing. So it's it's always going to be difficult. But I really liked it. I Things that people haven't mentioned, I was a big fan of the... I really liked the main planet. I thought I've really liked uh, the colours and stuff in it. I thought it was a really beautiful planet, and yeah, good I thought outside. I really liked the kind of design of it. I thought that was more memorable than a lot of the stuff in the first film in terms of the like scenery and stuff. I thought the bad guy was way better than in the first film. I thought the, the, that was the main weakness in the first film. I thought in this, even though he still had flaws, it was more interesting for definite. Um, it's more. I think it's notable that this one was way more CGI heavy, or at least I thought so. Uh, so it lost a little bit of the physicality of the first one. I thought. I thought the first one had a bit more, um, in sort of felt a bit more Star Warsy, because it felt a bit more physical, uh, whereas this one went a little bit CGI heavy. Although I don't think normally I'd hate that, but I think in this instance it did work. And like I've said with the planet, um, I think the the things that they did with the CGI were really stunning and looked really cool and. It was great to see in the, in the big screen in the cinema. Um, and yeah, I just really enjoyed it again. I thought it was really funny. I thought Bautista's Hume th- sort of laugh thing grew a little bit old towards the, <laughs> towards the end. But I, I think to be on my own on that. But um, other than that, I didn't really have any major issues with it. And I, I, I just really enjoyed it all the way through. And I, I, my opinion of it was higher than other people's, I thought, coming out. But it seems like we're all in the same boat, actually. And I think maybe... There are low reviews are just simply because people are like, oh, it's more of the same. <laughs> uh, not that it has been badly reviewed, it just hasn't lived up to the first. Yeah. But I think, like we've explained, we probably know the reason why it's not because it's any worse. It's just less surprising now. I think um, the big question I've got coming out of this is how much did Vin Diesel get paid for one line going through <laughs> a synthesizer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could have literally got any one of us to play that role. <laughs> yeah. It is odd, isn't it? I mean, it was odd enough in the first one. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure we'd be wooden enough. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, I mean, really, they're just paying to have Vin Diesel's name attached to this on the basis. I've always thought it was so odd. Yeah. For a long time, I thought that Dave Bautista was Vin Diesel. <laughs> That's how much I knew that Vin Diesel was in it, but didn't know who he was. Um, I think. Uh, one other thing that I would take away from this one was I found that the storyline became just a little bit more convoluted than necessary. So kind of building on what Al said about everything's got to build up to a final climax that is life-changing, universe-threatening. Um, yeah. The last kind of 20 minutes were a bit mangled. I didn't really get what was going on for a lot of it, the, the kind of the climatic action sequence. Mm. Uh, in a way that I didn't struggle with in the first one, and I, there was more of an emotional tie to the in the first one I thought than in this one. But it's yeah, seriously good fun, great uh, great entertainment. Mm. Um, building on what you said, Al, about you'd, how you'd like to see a ragtag, you know, a film of uh, the Guardians where they were just kind of ragtag playing around in the in the in space. How uh, how excellent would it be to see uh, Volume Three directed by Joss Whedon? Yeah, that would be perfect. Yeah, um, I think the problem is I don't think Marvel would let him do what he wanted to do. No. Um, mm. If he if he was given creative freedom to maybe 
you know, treat it like Firefly. Well, I was going to say it would work as a, se- a series, probably. Yeah. <laughs> if it was going to be a ragtag thing, but obviously the kind of the budget's probably too big for that. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, but... I just, <laughs> I just, I, I just don't need another kind of computer game plot where, you know, if they don't stop this, everything ends, and the only way to stop it is by getting to the center of something and blowing it up. Hmm. Um, I mean, we- I'm I definitely tired of that in Marvel movies I think the reason I don't it doesn't bother me as much in this is because it takes itself way less seriously so I'm like oh yeah, yeah it's alright but I, I agree I think it would be I mean, more it, interesting it's, to... it's got really strong characters which is why they get yeah. away with it and they're funny mm-hmm. it's, re- it's a really good script it's you know it's smart it's funny it doesn't take itself very seriously um, yeah I mean it, yeah I really I really had a lot of fun with it um, but as I said, yeah, like you said, Clive, I think probably it would on, almost suit a TV show better, but that's never going to happen. So, what's the point? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I did actually think I thought I thought I did think Kurt Russell was good in this. Actually, I thought he was well cast. Um, yeah, agreed, definitely. And um, Michael Rooker as well um, continued to be good. Uh, I always uh, struggle to remember his name. I was just making sure I had that down there. Which one's uh, Michael Rooker? He is guy with who whistles Yondu, uh, whistles with the, oh, the arrow that yeah. flies I'm a, around. Oh yeah, I think he's good. Yeah, I mean he's in the Walking Dead and he plays a very similar character, but he plays that yeah. character very well. And he was in this one more likable, <laughs> which yeah. I think he plays that quite well as well. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I thought he was great. I'm a big fan of his actually. Yeah. And I do like the kind of weird arrow thing that he's got. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, it's quite a cool. I mean, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but I was a tiny bit disappointed that this didn't... Knowing that they will be linking up with uh, characters from the Avengers in Infinity Wars, I was a little bit disappointed there wasn't even uh, a slight link in there. Mm, okay. Uh, especially in the, you know, one of the five after-credit um, bits, which ran on forever. Well, you say that, <laughs> but isn't, isn't the link um, Zoe Zaldana's character and Karen Gillan's yeah, you mean you mean Thanos? Yes, that's it. Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose the links there, but I would have—I I don't know—I would have liked to have seen maybe Thor show up at some point. It feels like Thor could exist in that that part of the universe. Yeah. But then again, maybe maybe that will happen in Thor Ragnarok, which actually looks really good. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, another quick point. I thought the ending was really stunning, like visually and uh, the music and. I think it had kind of a good emotional punch to the ending. Just thought I'd mention. I thought it yeah. ended on a... I was the same as you, Alice. In the last 20 minutes, I was a little bit like, oh, it's this end of the world thing again. And then the ending brought it back for me. I thought it was a really strong finish. Anyway. Yeah, you, you, you do believe in the characters and you, and, uh, mm. you do believe in the, their connection. It doesn't seem artificial. But yeah, yeah. I mean, um, how do you think the sound... More importantly, how do you think the soundtrack compares to the first one? <laughs> um, it was, was more unknown stuff, uh, wasn't it? But go on, Dave. Sorry. <laughs> well, I was going to say I was incredibly disappointed to have heard on two separate occasions uh, Fleetwood Max the chain, and yet somehow have finished a movie without once hearing the guitar solo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, possibly... no, I, I didn't even know. I mean, there's barely even a song around the guitar solo. I don't even know how you can cut it out. I don't, and still end up with the song. It oh, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I did feel they had the best bit of the song in the film. Oh, controversial opinion. That's a Josh controversial opinion, that is. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm not going to sing for you the best part of the film. um, but No, uh, best part of the song. But um, 
I did feel that and that whole, you know, uh, building of the, I don't know even what you call it, the bridge or the chorus near the end. I did think that was well used. Well, I'll and sing I, I for you the best bit of the song. It goes, bow, 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 And they cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the BBC have got the trademark bow, on that now. Bow, 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 I did like I did like that song Brandy that made an appearance. Say I say Brandy. Yeah, the sound the soundtrack's great and it, it yeah. sort of um juxtaposes quite well with the very futuristic uh setting. I've always thought I thought that in the first one and I still mm. think it's the case here. I think it works really well, that kind of combination. <laughs> Makes it stand out a bit, doesn't it? Mm. Michael, you don't really have any interest in these sorts of films, but have you got any comment as to why you're not too bothered? In <laughs> well, I think I think you've ident as it happens. It was still very interesting to hear everyone's comments on it, but I think you've identified the reason. I just eventually started to find, even though I've only seen a handful of them, find them wearying in terms of the plotting for the exact sort of reasons that you've just discussed. I think um, mm. so. That's definitely part of it. Plus, obviously, the frequency with which Marvel release films. Um, but it doesn't doesn't mean to say I won't see it at some point though. Uh, but that's just I would say if you're going to see album. any Marvel, yeah, yeah, this, I mean, it's still personally my favorite, probably my two favorite Marvel films. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. yeah. yeah, but because they because they go above the kind of slightly generic plot, it still has the generic plot, but the characters and things like Al said are so much better to me, yeah. and more interesting, and it's funnier that you watch it for that rather than the <laughs> rather than the plot. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But, but if yeah. I was if I was gonna. Uh, suggest Michael watch any recent superhero movie. It's still got to be Logan. Logan yeah, still definitely. Oh yeah, the pre- I could see that. I've not seen it, but from what I've heard oh, about yeah. it, yeah, yeah. L- Logan's Super. a step. It's a step ahead. It's the, pr- yeah. the praise uh, yeah. for that definitely blindsided me. Yeah, I would like to see it at some point. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say that it does not follow this classic, yeah, cliched, hackneyed plot that uh. others do. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Right. Um, so. Uh, everyone's been around the once. Who else has got something to talk to us about today? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I've not really got anything ready. I have. I've been watching a load. Of, I've caught up on a load of 2016 releases, and my top five of 2016 has changed pretty Ooh. significantly. But other oh, than God, that, man. what's moved in? Um, well, I'd have to just. You might have to. Has anyone else got anything to say while I just? As I'm not, I'm not prepared, I'll have to just look at my list very quickly. <laughs> Al, why don't yeah. you sing that bit from the chain that you like? <laughs> uh, and if you don't love, love me, now, me now, you, you will, will never, never love, love me again. Me again. Can I stay there now? <laughs> I don't really <laughs> know the words. That's lovely, that. Clive, rescue me. I mean, that Just is good. That that I'm is afraid my internet's good. dying at the and moment of need. You don't love me now. Is that you are snowy yeah. singing Never there, love me again. <laughs> <laughs> True. Good boy, good boy. Sound like Never a dog. Break the Offensive. Um, two seconds. Bow. Oh, I do have news from I do have news from the Galleon, by the way. Um, oh yeah, hit, hit us we, with we've some got a fir- we've got our first letter in a bottle. Um, cease, cease and desist from Squarespace. <laughs> apparently, 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 a few shows back, we pretended we were being sponsored by them, and um, they've told us to come back when we've got over a million listeners. I told them we did, so we'll see. What's this space? <laughs> right. Yeah. Also, um, Clive. I... Clive. Sorry. Yeah. Clive, you've got to remember to put the toilet bucket over the side when you're done. 
That was not on. <laughs> that was not on. <laughs> Sorry, I do have smelly poo. I'll, uh, I'll remember that next time. I'm just not used to it, you know, I'm used to the luxuries of flushing toilet mechanism. Not the same. <laughs> We're not, not in the same Zurich on the now. Galleon. We're not in Zurich now. Also, I found I'm pooing much more regularly on the Galleon. Yeah. We're on, more we're of an off, Alex Wayne schedule. We're off, we're off the coast of Somalia now. We're not in Zurich. All right. <laughs> Are we going to bump into some pirates? <laughs> no, well, they're going to bump into us. We're going to. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to fuck them up. Yeah, they're going to try and steal our stuff. We're going to steal some TV and films using BitTorrent. <laughs> uh, anyway, I found the list. Um, okay. The two, the two that entered onto it, uh, which I, which I watched in my sort of a half term film binge, of catching up, were American Honey, which uh, is now my number five. Which have, has anyone else seen this? No, wanted to, but it wasn't on anywhere near me, so I haven't seen it yet. Like I'm hoping it's going to turn up on Netflix or something like that soon. Ah, oh, cool. Well, I really enjoyed it. It's like a a film about this girl who joins a sort of she's just goes on the road with like a bunch of weird guys who make money for uh, <laughs> weird guys and girls who make money for kind of trying to sign people up to some weird th- like inch stuff and leafleting and you know stuff like that uh, and yeah I just thought it was a really kind of good it's quite long but it's kind of follows this it's really realistic you feel like you're with this crew as they're sort of traveling around and I thought it was um, really really good and Shia LaBeouf uh, really surprised me in it I thought he was excellent um the other one is Son of Saul, which I know you've reviewed, Al, and I think, Michael, you've seen it as well, right? Yeah, immense film. Yeah. That's yeah, now my incredible. number two, yeah, behind Fire at Sea, because I, yeah, I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. It's, I, I agree with everything you said. It, it has a very claustrophobic feel, but I think it's so, it's, in my opinion, it's the best, you know, sort of concentration camp film that I've seen loads of those. Um, for me because I think it is the, the the idea of it just being like over the shoulder and just what he can see is so genius because of exactly the set of things that we just mentioned earlier about Alien um, although it's you know this isn't sci-fi this is this is really real but the the things that things are worse when you don't see them um, somehow and it feels more I don't know it just had this incredible atmosphere throughout and I thought it was a really really incredible film that everyone should see yeah. so it's fantastic yeah, those are the oh. two that I think I'd mention. Cool. Um, I have not really seen anything else new uh, recently other than that. I did, however, re-watch Rogue One. Still really good. Uh, now I can't watch that scene uh, near the end without thinking of... Is it Covent Garden Station, Dave? <laughs> tube Station, you mentioned? Uh... I, keep seeing it. I keep seeing it as a Tube Station now, anyway. You mentioned you went through there. It was near the end of the film. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, it was I really at, remember this. It was, yeah. fil- it was filmed at a tube station you went through. I- I'm thinking it's you who's going to see now, not me. I don't remember this painting. <laughs> <laughs> the painting definitely do- happened. <laughs> wow. It's all that, uh, you know... Just because I was looking smog. at my phone just then, rather than listening to what you were saying, so I didn't catch what film you were talking about, so I didn't know what tube station you were talking about, doesn't mean that I didn't get an oil painting from you ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, Canary Wharf. Oh, Canary Wharf, is it? There we uh, go. New, new yeah. it begin with the sea. Or kind of the water, <laughs> but I always get those two mixed up. Certainly not Covent Garden. Uh-huh. Begin with the sea. Anyway, I think Rogue One seems to be getting quite a lot of... Uh, since it's come out on... You know, DVD, Blu-ray, high C's for us. Um, 
Although they're actually in the Blu-ray. Yeah, not Same. Entirely, <laughs> not entirely an illegal human being. Seems to be getting uh, quite a lot more praise than it was when it first came out, I thought, I've noticed. I don't know if it's just on my Twitter feed, but yeah. uh, <laughs> people are, a lot of Star Wars fans seem to be saying it's, you know, their second favourite behind uh, Empire Strikes Back, and I've heard lots of things like that said, so mm. it seems to be uh, gaining a, a bit more praise than it perhaps was when it first came out, which is cool. I think it is really, really good. I like yeah. it how much how it's a bit darker and how it is a it feels a little bit different to a mainline Star Wars film. But mm. yeah, I, I thought it was really, really good. Right. Okay. So just to uh, round off, let's um, let's go around one at a time and name a film that we're looking. Uh, forward to coming out in the upcoming months. Al, what have you got? Right, so by upcoming months, how far in advance do you mean? Well, if it's more oh, than a year, want. then I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, well, probably the big one that I'm looking forward to is Dunkirk. Correct. Which comes out, Michael. Which comes out in July. Well, he stole my only answer there, so thanks. Correct. Alex. Clive. <laughs> Baywatch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, that, no, I mean, that's, we, I mean that's a very similar plot to Dunkirk, isn't it? There's a bunch of people prattling around on a beach. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, the, the, the that's trailer the veteran, we saw... That's the veteran viewership lost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Baywatch does have the best uh, tagline of the year that I've seen. What was it? Beaches ain't ready. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. To be fair, the trailer did look hilariously... Looked like it was taking the piss out of itself, which is the only way this is going to work. Yeah, it looked better so from the trailer I than I was expecting. Yeah, I agree with it's that. It's got, I think, it's got potential. <laughs> but um, so I don't really know. I don't really know what's coming up. To be honest, I am excited for Dunkirk, perhaps less so than other people. Although I do think it will be really good. I don't know. I don't really know what else is coming out, so I'm not sure what I'm excited about. I'm just. Uh, I usually just stuff comes out, and I'm like, oh, cool, I'll go see that. Except for in like the Oscar time, when everything's kind of you know what's coming because it's come out in America a few months beforehand, and everyone's raving about it. I think this period is always a bit dead, isn't it? And yeah, never really sure what's coming up. I'm uh, looking forward to. Um, it was referenced in the tagline. I'm quite looking forward to Okja. Is it how you pronounce? Uh, which uh, comes out sure, next yeah, month. Yeah. yeah, it comes out next month on Netflix. Um, Looks pretty interesting from the guy who directed Snowpiercer, which was a very good underrated film. Um, yeah, looks interesting. Obviously, Star Wars. Well excited for it. Yeah, that's quite a while yet, but that's definitely too far away. Yeah. Okay. It's less than a year. Yeah, but still, I think you knew <laughs> what I meant, and I think you just abused it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I apologise. <laughs> Anyone got any anything else to throw into the mix that I might be looking forward to? Well, I just hope that... Um, I mean, I've got no intention on buying a ticket for it just because what the rest of the films that DC have made have done to me. But I hope that Wonder Woman isn't terrible just for the sake of a superhero movie that has a female lead. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but if it's anything like anything else that DC have done to it, it will be a steaming pile of turd. <laughs> <laughs> it will be. No, I think a wanky turd as well, not just a turd. Oh wow! I Jesus. think it's the worst the, kind of turd. You know, a, a masturbated turd. Uh, <laughs> what? I don't. A masturbated turd. Is that a thing you can do to a turd? Anyway, that's right. Like well, you can't. Yeah. It's a thanks, thing Al would do to a turd. Thanks for lowering the tone there at the end, Al. Um, <laughs> I think that brings us to a pretty tight and tidy hour there, guys. So um, it does. Thank you all for listening. Um, I think we've got the episode name down there as well. Masturbated Turd. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly our most controversial episode title yet. Um, 
So Al, I um, I dropped my watch earlier, and uh, it doesn't seem to uh, have uh, have uh, any hands left on it anymore. So can you uh, let me know what time it is, please? Um, bear with me. I'm just going to check the sun and look at the shadow. Oh, it's plug down, baby! Hit it, Clive. <laughs> <laughs> oh what that was an unexpected curveball <laughs> at stickaroundcast on twitter stickaroundpodcast.com on the interwebs stickaroundpodcast at gmail.com if you want to gmail us we will read out your emails and answer them depending on what your question is um, I don't know what the meaning of life is and if it's as lower a tone as masturbated turds it's not getting read out <laughs> if it's think, lower than that, that I think, by the way by the way, I think I based that masturbated turd on a metal band I saw on a poster once, Masturbated <laughs> Breath. Which was I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say I saw on a poster in Michael's bedroom. <laughs> but. Masturbated Breath was an excellent play on words, though. <laughs> this, this isn't. <laughs> oh, I, was, I was really hoping Michael was going to come in and correct you on the genre of music. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that I think we find... do metal. Uh, actually, you think you find it's uh, metal funk wank grunge, brown metal. <laughs> 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 oh my god! Let me finish the plug time. I've got that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, stick around. <laughs> slash stick around podcast on Instagram. Slash stick around on Patreon if you want to throw some money our way. Or just find us on your podcast app. Subscribe. Give us five star reviews on iTunes. We love those. Um, yeah, that's it plugged out cool great top notch uh, work there guys cool come back next time for ooh, what, what, what are we doing next time <laughs> that'll prepared. be well, why don't you think about it first before blundering in <laughs> I think it will be games it's, it? look it's not my style Dave I just you know, <laughs> you know, you're, shoot you're, first. You're, the, you're the podcast equivalent of that um, that jug in the Simpsons that I don't fully understand the reference for because I'm not a child in America that bursts through school walls I think we'll be I don't back know with what you're on about this, <laughs> I think we'll be back with TV next or maybe even books if people have been reading. Yeah, or, or games or music, yeah. Or uh, who knows? It could be who any knows? of those episodes could be happening. Yeah. Ooh. And the only way you will know what's coming next is if you stick around. Oh. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Thank you all for listening Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around Masturbated Breath I bet <laughs> Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast that will be shown at the <laughs> Start that one again Fucking <laughs> easy one Power through, power through Clive, keep going I was going to and then I thought no The podcast that will be shown in the wrong aspect ratio <laughs> <I can. laughs> Fucking this up royally, ain't I? <laughs>